Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden, as we mentioned, is still on vacation, uh, but in his stead, who's been here before as a guest host a couple of times, if not more, Dr. Sam Ives is with us. Uh, good to see you, Dr. Ives. Thanks for coming in today on your on your Sunday. Yeah, thanks for letting me sub in. Absolutely. It's always fun, and we, we'll put you to work right away here with our listeners' calls and text messages. But a uh, little introduction is in order. If you're a new listener, uh, Dr. Sam Ives works in both inpatient and uh, outpatient internal medicine. He has particular interests in medical education, working with residents and medical students. You still do that, don't you, a lot? Yeah, I do some work with uh, medical students from the University of Minnesota, and then we have our own residents. So they kind of do uh, similar to just an old-school apprenticeship where they have to work with our uh, more senior physicians for a few years before they can go hang a shingle, so to speak, and do it on their own. All right. Is that enjoyable? Do you like that? Yeah, it's great. Uh, As you can imagine, medical students and residents are very bright people, and so you have to stay on your toes and keep aware of new information, keeps you fresh. Kind of like the show when people ask questions, don't you? That's good. It's humbling. It it can be at times. Uh, Dr. Ives, answering your questions this morning, your general health questions, it is an open line show today. We're not going to be zeroing in on any uh, particular topic. So uh, let me give you the phone number. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. We've cleared the line, so now they're, they're available to you. If you want to call, 651-989-9226. Uh, text the doctor at 81807, 81807. Backing up a little bit, on a personal note, I know Dr. Hilden always likes to, uh, when he has uh, colleagues in, to find out a little bit about them, where they're from, where did you study, and uh, are you a local uh, local guy? Yeah, I'm as local as they come, Denny. So I was uh, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. I went to St. Paul Central High School. I went to college in the Chicago area at Northwestern. Went to medical school at the University of California. And then, like all good Minnesota boys, I returned to the homeland. So I came here for residency, and I've been at Hennepin uh, ever since then. You have family here, too, as well. Yeah, I have family, and my wife's family is in the metro area as well. Well, that makes it handy to come back. Was it tough to leave California? Of course, it's Minnesota. You got to come back. I lived in the Bay Area, so it's a great place to live in your 20s. It's kind of like Disneyland <laughs> for a 20-year-old. Uh, a lot of good food and places to go out, but I'm very happy to live in Minneapolis now. Yeah, it's a great place. Hennepin's a great place, too. All right. Again, uh, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. 
Uh, well, we haven't heard a lot about in the last couple of weeks uh, since Dr. Hilden's been gone, and I don't know if you see that at the hospital uh, at all, but uh, uh, reports of uh, ticks, tick bites. Have you seen any Lyme disease or any of the other diseases that come from these uh, black-legged ticks? Yeah, uh, this is a good question for the summer in particular. Yeah. I know even we used to think of ticks as something that you got when you went up north and really were exposed to the real backwoods, but we do see people with tick bites even in the metro area. So places like in parks surrounding the area, even in the inner ring suburbs, uh, have a good deal of ticks, and along with ticks can come things like Lyme disease. And what about, uh, I know we, we always, always it seems like, get uh, questions, uh, texts usually about um, uh, various shots to have, especially shingles. That, that's the one I'm thinking about in particular. Anything new on that to the forefront? Well, there are some new immunizations. Uh, shingles is something which is interesting where it's a shot against reactivation of chickenpox. So many people think, well, if you've had it once, you'll never have it again. But interestingly, if you've been exposed to chickenpox even as a kid, uh, you can get a shot later on to prevent reactivation. And the reactivation is called shingles. It's a very painful condition. And the shot is fairly effective. And there's a newer shot for shingles that people can be eligible for even in their 50s. So the older shingle shot, you had to be in your mid-60s to get. And the newer shingle shot is available. So you may talk to your primary care doctor at a checkup about this. Can shingles show up anywhere in your body? Shingles can show up anywhere. Most classically, it causes a rash on one side of the body, either one side of the face, the belly, or the leg. And uh, it will only show up as a more diffuse rash in someone who has an immune system problem, typically. So if someone was taking immune suppressants or had an immune system disease, this would be more likely to cause a more severe shingles rash. A text as you had seen, doctor. By the way, the text number, if you want to use that, if that's easier for you, send the doctor your text question at 81807. Um, about fasting, I know some people believe in that. I know in some cases you do have to fast, among other things, when you're getting a colonoscopy or something, right? You. Yes. So the one of the texter's questions is about uh, intermittent fasting, meaning either fasting where people will skip a meal or do it for a more prolonged period where someone will do something that they call a cleanse or they'll have one yeah. big meal per day. Some of this information is a little bit mixed as far as the data goes. So uh, one important thing to remember is that whatever lifestyle change you're making has to be sustainable. So if I told the audience that I was going to not eat breakfast or lunch uh, from now until eternity, it may have some effect on my weight, but it's not something I'm going to keep up for very long. So we do know that intermittent fasting, occasionally there's a few specific situations that can be helpful, but it also, our bodies are really designed that if you don't eat, our body's very good at hanging on to nutrition. If you think about evolutionarily, it's important if you don't eat to be able to hang on to calories. So it really doesn't work well as a weight loss strategy. That was another text, too. Any tips? Now, last week, as you may or may not know, we had uh, Natalie Eichmann on, and they talked about the, the, the weight loss, their program. Uh, tips for permanent weight loss. I guess that's the big question for a lot of folks. Pardon the, pardon the expression. Yeah, I'd love to have the 10-second uh, uh, answer to this, yeah. and I'd be a very wealthy person. Uh, the most important thing is, again, to think about what a sustainable change might look like. So as far as weight loss, the the best thing to recommend would be to do vigorous exercise, meaning something for over 30 minutes at a time where you could imagine being at least breathless for part of that time and doing that at least five days a week. 
So the biggest changes, be that something like cutting out soda or cutting out sweets, is thinking about something that you could actually sustain. So setting a goal of not ever having dessert again really isn't going to be realistic. So weight loss is going to be best promoted through something that you are able to keep up. You know, we hear huge percentages of folks that are either a diabetic uh, or just obese of some uh, on some level. In when you were in clinic or certainly in your hospital visit, you see a lot of patients. You see just a lot of people that are obese. It is very common. So it's a, a large percentage of the American population is overweight or obese. And we do see a lot of people uh, who are even uh, a huge degree overweight, which we sometimes call morbidly obese. And some of this really, it's important to remember, a lot of it is not related to personal responsibility or people being weak-willed, but it's really how we live these days. So a lot of people uh, commute. A lot of people work at an office. Uh, a lot of people are in a situation where they don't even live in a neighborhood where it's not amenable to get a lot of exercise. So it's easy for me to say I could walk 30 minutes by Minnehaha Creek, but if someone lives in an unsafe neighborhood, if I, the doctor recommends go out for an evening walk, that might not be a safe choice. That's, that's a lot of variables there. 651-989-9226. It is an open line show today. Dr. Sam Ives in for Dr. David Hilden today, answering again your your, your general health questions. Um, you, what? Uh, which one? You can pick one. You can go ahead. Uh, what is Ramsey-Hunt disorder? Is it shingles? Texter wants to know. So Ramsey-Hunt is a syndrome uh, where it, it's a rash associated with the syndrome and it is related to a virus just like shingles. So Ramsey-Hunt is the term we use for shingles in a particular area of the body. Because it does involve the ear, it can be a dangerous condition because it can affect hearing or cause permanent hearing loss. This is a fairly uncommon condition, so it's not something that a person would expect to encounter. Uh, but if they were having a rash on their face or near their ear, it is something to get checked out. If you want to send the doctor a text, 81807, 81807. A text came in wondering about a prolapsed uterus. Is that dangerous? What can be done without surgery? Uh, prolapse means something kind of dropping out of position. So the uterus is attached inside a woman's body. And in the condition called a prolapsed uterus, the uterus actually drops down further. Uh, so it's not attached as it normally should be. So it's not a dangerous condition usually. Uh, there are a few things that can be done. They're difficult to describe uh, in a few short segment. But often if something's uh, unattached in a simple mechanical terms, the easiest fix is going to be a relatively straightforward surgery to put the uterus back in place. Uh, a simple analogy that callers might be familiar with is a hernia. So a hernia where you have uh, an outpouching of intestine or a groin hernia, you know, once something's out of place, often the easiest fix for a hernia, again, is to just put it back in place and a prolapsed uterus is obviously a very different body part, but you can kind of think of the fix in similar terms. Is that a pretty common occurrence? It, it's fairly uncommon, actually. So hernias are fairly common. Uh, prolapsed uterus is something that it does occur usually in older women, uh, but it is not something that's common. Tell you what, we need to take a break, a quick one. And we, uh, Dr. Sam Ives is in today for Dr. Hilden. If you uh, have a question, you can call it in. You can text it in. Uh, more texts are rolling in. That number is 81807. It's an open line show, as I said, uh, your general health questions, not any particular topic. 
here on Healthy Matters. It's overcast, still some chances of showers in the Twin Cities today. 73 degrees in the Twin Cities. We'll be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. Uh, Dr. David Hilton still on vacation. In his place is our guest host, Dr. Sam Ives, answering your questions. Dr. Ives, I wanted to make mention that uh, the next Here for Health session takes place Saturday uh, coming up the 11th of August from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Clinic and Specialty Center. What a nice building that is. Uh, when some of the uh, dermatologists as well as integrative medicine specialists will answer your questions. Again, parking is free. We always like to tell you that. Seating is limited. So sign up on the webpage at hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health, the number four. Or if it's easier, go to Dr. Hilden's webpage at myhealthymatters.org to register. So that's coming up the 11th of uh, of August. All right, Dr. Ives, let's see. We have Texas Boy, 81807. People are finding that's the easiest way to get in touch with you, doctor, 81807. We were talking about the shingles shot earlier, and a texter wants to know, can you get shingles if you've never had chicken pox? Is that a possibility? So shingles is the reactivation of chicken pox, meaning that you had chicken pox. Uh, it it so to, so to speak, was latent or went to sleep in your body. So the virus is still there, but it's under control. And then the shingles is the reactivation. So the, the simple answer is no, you can't get shingles if you've never had chicken pox. You can still get uh, a rash due to many causes. And some people, of course, don't know. So a lot of kids have a childhood illness. And unless you have a parent who's around to say, oh, you had chicken pox when yes. you were three, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know if they had chicken pox. So one thing to consider is if you had a classic rash that looked like shingles, your doctor still might consider uh, testing or treating for that, even if you yourself can't identify a time in childhood or early adulthood when you had that. Dr. Ives, you were talking about ages, uh, uh, when to get that uh, new shingle shot. A texter wanted to know, should a 79-year-old woman get the new shot if she had shingle shot at age 60? This is a, a very specific question about the age to get the shingle shot. And as we talked about, there's a newer shingles vaccine. This is something you could talk to your doctor about uh, in terms of uh, whether or not you have other medical conditions that would make it reasonable to get a shot. Typically, you don't necessarily have to get re-immunized or get a repeat shot for shingles. However, there might be specific situations based on the older or newer shot that you would get a repeat or based on other conditions. So it'd be pretty uncommon, but usually we wouldn't get a repeat shot. But you'd want to talk to your doctor because of what other health conditions you might have. Yeah, a lot of variables there. Yeah, That's right. Specific. Uh, by the way, text number 81807. Again, the phone uh, line is uh, open for you at, at 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. A texter wants to talk about a cortisone shot. How long does it last, and why would one get possibly a cortisone shot? So this is something a lot of people may have heard of. Cortisone is a steroid. It treats inflammation. So sometimes the most common type of cortisone shot is given in a joint, like a shot in a hip or knee for pain. And this shot lasts for a few weeks after given. Uh, some people I've seen in clinic do say I had a cortisone shot and it lasted me a year. Certainly the medicine doesn't uh, stay active for that long, but sometimes people, when they're in a lot of pain, once they get over the hump from the initial painful episode, let's say they had a lot of use on their knee, 
did a lot of walking, got some pain where the arthritis is worse. Sometimes a cortisone shot is indicated for that. It typically lasts on the order of a few weeks, not for a year or two. So it's mainly a temporary fix uh, to treat inflammation. Okay. Again, text number 81807. And, and Dr. Ives, uh, this is obviously, well, we'll feel, have you feel the question, but uh, just to uh, note about restless leg, what do you think causes restless legs uh, syndrome? Uh, the texter wants to know, and how would you treat it and eliminate it? Now, just a reminder, next week, we're going to be having uh, on the show, we're going to talk specifically about sleep disorder. Uh, with right. Dr. Vaghese. Yeah, so there is a sleep center at Hennepin Healthcare, and these are true experts. So you're talking to someone now when speaking of restless legs that has more of a primary care or a generalist perspective. So I would encourage the listener to tune in next week to hear more of a definitive answer on this and other conditions. That said, restless legs is a syndrome where people have uh, some extra activation in their nerves usually at night. So it, it feels like jumpy legs or painful. And it's important to first distinguish restless legs from just being restless. So if I have coffee before bed and have a hard ah. time sleeping, that's not restless leg syndrome. The first couple steps are going to be testing for some underlying conditions that cause restless legs. So one common one is actually low iron or iron deficiency. So in a clinic, we'd often test someone to see if they have low iron and that's actually causing the restless legs. And sometimes treating that will fix the problem. Unfortunately, restless legs isn't a curable condition. So if it's due to something like low iron, sometimes we can make it go away. Some people do have restless leg syndrome where it's a nerve problem. And once they have it, unfortunately, it's a chronic condition that, that can be managed with medications or other ways, but it cannot be eliminated. Interesting. Yeah, that's next week now. We're going to be talking entirely about sleep, sleep disorders uh, uh, with Dr. Varghese next Sunday on the show. So save your sleep questions for uh, for next week. Yeah, well, we do have time for Judy's call in Blaine. Uh, Judy, good morning. What is your question for the doctor? Uh, yes, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I woke up Friday morning with the most horrendous uh, pain across high across my shoulders, my neck, the bottom of my neck, and it goes up into my head, and I can't turn my neck left or right. It's I can't bend down and look at it. I, I haven't hit myself. I haven't fallen. It is the strangest thing. And can you tell me how old you are, Judy, just for a little context? Oh, sure. I'm 76. So uh, when you have neck pain, obviously, as you said, you know, it could be due to trauma where someone hits their head or has an overuse thing. So uh, some people develop neck pain after doing an activity where they're using their neck more often. So if you're bird watching and staring up at a tree for hours on end, you can get a fair amount of neck pain afterwards. Now, if it's on both sides of your neck and in both shoulders, the most common problem we'd consider is that it's a spasm in the muscles. And unfortunately, this thing is takes a little time to work itself out. I'd encourage you to do a lot of exercises where you just range your neck, kind of think about rotating your head, shrugging your shoulders, and doing small circles with your shoulders to work out the stiffness. 
Uh, typically, a younger person would use an anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen. Sometimes based on medical conditions, these aren't always recommended for older individuals that are above age 60 or 65 because they can have a fair amount of side effects. Now, one dose of ibuprofen usually does not have many side effects, so you could consider using this for the pain. But otherwise, it sounds most like a muscle spasm. You'd recommend just trying to do what you can to loosen up the shoulders and continue being active. So the one thing we do know is that resting entirely isn't going to help the stiffness as much as small activity would to loosen Mm. things up. Just the opposite of what you might think. Exactly. All right. Dr. Ives, we have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. Thank you, Judy, by the way. We have a line open if you want to call in your question, 651-989-9226. Or send a text and we'll catch up on the text messages. That is 81807. You can send your text messages to 81807 for Dr. Ives to field. And coming up here. In just a few minutes. Before we take the break, if you live in the uh, St. Anthony Village area, uh, we invite you to join the open house at the St. Anthony Village Clinic Wednesday, coming up, 4 to 6 p.m., the newly expanded clinic located at 2714 Highway 88 at the intersection of St. Anthony Boulevard and Kenzie Terrace. Bring the whole family for tours, by the way. Activities, refreshments, so much more. Of course, Bernie the Rescue Dog will always be there, always be around. That's Wednesday, this Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. at the St. Anthony Village Clinic at Hennepin Health. In the meantime, we expect uh, maybe chances of more showers here in the Twin Cities. Right now, northwest winds are at 4, dew point 68 degrees. And uh, in the Twin Cities, again, cloudy. CCO temp 73. Welcome to Healthy Matters. Presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Thanks for joining us. This is the second portion of Healthy Matters. Dr. Hilden is on vacation. He'll be back soon, but in his place is guest host Dr. Sam Ives. If you're just joining us, Dr. Ives works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine, answering your general health questions today, either by phone or by text. Let me give you the phone number. Uh, first, uh, 651-989-9226. If you do have a question, don't wait. Or you can send the uh, question via text, 81807. That's 81807. And as you can see, Dr. Ives, we've got a bunch of those. Uh, but we started talking at the beginning of the show about, I was asking you about the, the shingle shot. And all of a sudden, people have a, a big interest in in that particular topic. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if this is because we have a newer shot, and so people have either seen this advertised or if their physicians have talked to them about it. A couple of a follow-up texts asked about the shingle shot. So one question was about whether or not if you've had shingles, if you can still get the shot. And someone mentioned a syndrome called Ramsey-Hunt, which is a form of shingles. 
Uh, the answer is that you still are potentially eligible to get a shot even if you've had shingles. So the important thing to think about is that uh, this is something where you're preventing reactivation after you've had uh the chicken pox or shingles of it coming back. So even if you've had chicken pox, you're eligible to get the shingles shot. Even if you've had shingles, you are as well. The shot itself does not have major side effects, but this, they would be something your doctor would talk to you about beforehand. And then someone asked about when you get a shot, why are some given as repeat shots? The reason for that is typically that you get some immunity from the first shot, so sometimes the first shot is partially effective and that we're recommending more than one shot because two is better than one in this case, which isn't true for all shots. So it could be if you get one and not the complete series of whatever shot it is, if it's more than one, you may be protected by that and usually are to a large degree. But the reason that we have a series is because they've studied this and said, hey, if you get, for example, a series that's given six months apart, if you get the second shot, you've got more protection than if you just do the first. All right. Again, phone numbers and folks are calling in 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, you got another one there you can see? Yeah, so there's a, another caller that asks about a total cholesterol of 240. The caller asks, is that necessarily bad? The person is hesitant to start medications. So uh, cholesterol, the total number is typically, we like it to see it less than 200. Uh, it isn't a disease, so it's important to know that high cholesterol isn't disease. It's a risk factor. So people who have high cholesterol are at a little bit higher risk of heart disease or stroke. Now, if they have other risk factors for those same conditions, let's say they smoke or have diabetes or have high blood pressure, we're going to be more apt to try to treat that to lower the risk. If I saw a younger individual, let's say a 25-year-old who had high cholesterol alone, that wouldn't necessarily be an indication to start medications. Now, all meds have side effects, but you can think about a side effect of not treating. So if you said, hey, you know, I'm very worried about the side effects of treating cholesterol, another way to reframe the question is to say, well, what are the side effects of not taking it? So one side effect of not taking the medication might be that you're at higher risk of having heart disease like a heart attack or stroke. And sometimes that can help people consider whether or not this is a medication they'd want to take or whether or not there's something else to do about cholesterol. You know, we've had, as you can see, doctor, a couple of texts about diets. We had an earlier uh, text about fasting. Uh, what's keto diet? So a ketogenic diet is a variation on what people used to call a few years ago the Atkins diet, oh, right. uh, where they have a low-carbohydrate diet. And someone also asked about something called the Whole30 diet. Uh, this is another diet. I don't want to call it a fad diet exactly because, you know, it depends on how you're actually implementing it. Again, my best recommendation about these diets is to really think about something that's sustainable for you. So again, the Whole30 diet, if you said, I'm not going to have any grains, any this, any that, and that's from now until eternity, it's really something that would be hard to implement. Each of these diets has shown a little bit of evidence of helping with something, like helping with weight control over a short term. It's true in general that someone's going to have a hard time saying, I'm never going to touch a carbohydrate again. So I think the most sustainable change is either to cut out something that's purely unhealthy, like cutting out 
soda, or to also think about exercise, which helps in so many areas. More exercise is always going to do better for your body than just changing something with your diet that's not going to last. Still true. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Jean, who's calling in uh, from uh, Woodbury. Go ahead, Jean. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. What causes calcification of the arteries in the heart? And then also, um, what uh, this foot, hand, and mouth disease seems to be hitting a lot of people. I look forward to your answers. Thank you. So uh, the first question is, what causes calcification of the arteries in the heart? And calcification or hardening of the arteries is something that's due to a combination, combination like many diseases of your genetics and other risk factors. So, for example, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, diabetes, high salt diet, all of these things contribute to calcification or hardening of the arteries. Interestingly, if you look at other cultures, for example, if you look at societies where people are still living in a similar way to they did generations ago, where people really don't have a lot of salt in their diet and so forth, people can live to a very old age without calcification at all. However, in our society, almost everyone gets a ton of salt in their diet, High blood pressure is very common. A sedentary lifestyle is very common. So a calcification of the arteries is something that is very, very common. So if we looked at all individuals above a certain age, some of them would have this uh, to a large percentage. Now, the other caller's question is about something called hand, foot, and mouth. This has been in the news because some prominent athletes have had this uh, and had to miss time. So hand, foot, and mouth is a virus. Uh, it can also occur in kids. It is usually self-limited, meaning that you have the virus, there's no treatment for it, and it goes away after a period of time. It generally isn't dangerous, but because it's something that can sound scary because it sounds like it can be spread, which it can, but in general, it is not usually a severe illness, and it usually is not something that really debilitates someone, but can, of course, cause a rash, as the name suggests, and can be uncomfortable, but is typically something that someone doesn't feel well for a short period of time, the rash goes away, and they're none the worse for it in the long term. All right. Uh, by the way, if you want to send a text, 81807-651-989-9226-WALLACE. Is calling from Crystal. Go ahead, Wallace. Yes, uh, I, I'm an 88 year old male, and I had a slight uh, shingles attack, say 40 years ago. But last year, I had a very severe uh, attack. And I never had any of the childhood diseases, knowing about uh, shingle, uh, smallpox, or any measles or anything. Because, uh, when all the rest of the children did. Uh, I'm just wondering, I had the shingle shot uh, a couple years ago, but I still got shingles uh, last year. Now I want to know, is should I have another shot or am I all done with shingles? This is a, So the caller's question is again about the shingles shot and if you've had shingles before, uh, if you're 88, uh, sometimes like any shot, we want to say, well, what's the risk of the shot and the potential benefit? So uh, this isn't going to be the most satisfying answer to hear, but actually you'd want to go to your primary clinic and talk to the doctor about it. We Again, we do have a newer version of the shingles shot. 
And this one you may be eligible for, but if you said you've already had a shot, I would just talk to your doctor about it. It may be that it it's not worth getting uh, further shots if that's the case, but I think it's a little difficult to say without going into all the details that we would do in a clinic visit of all of your other medical conditions, and also just going through, as any doctor would, what are the side effects of getting the shot itself? All right. I'll tell you what. I know we have to break, but uh, let's go to Lois, who's calling from uh, New Brighton. Lois, what is your question for the doctor? Uh, Sir, I've had, uh, well, a current operation of the brain in the middle of June, and now I have swollen feet. I mean, like... um, what do you call it? Um, anyway, my feet hurt and they're swollen, and I'm wondering what what could be the connection, or I don't know what's going on. Uh, so, is and is the surgery, Lois, something that you just had, or is this something that's some time ago? It was June 9th, I believe. So uh, swelling can be due to many, many causes. One thing that can happen after a surgery is you're more immobile. So just a little bit of blood will pool in the feet and cause swelling, or the medical term is called edema for this. Another thing that can happen is in the setting of a surgery or a hospitalization, doctors will often give a patient a lot of fluids. So we have an IV and we give you fluids, and those can cause swelling. So the best simple things that are not medications to treat swelling is to make sure when you're resting or sleeping that your legs are elevated above the level of your heart. So you might put a pillow underneath your feet. Some people will use a compression sock to help with the swelling as well. And if the swelling is very prominent or persistent, you would want to see a doctor because there are some very serious medical conditions that cause a lot of swelling in that. Especially after a surgery, if you had swelling in just one leg, we would be more concerned about a blood clot or something like that that developed in the setting of the surgery or being immobile. So a single leg that's swollen is something you'd be on the lookout for. If it's both legs and more mild, just elevate the feet or use a compression sock. All right, very good. We need to take a break, Dr. Ives. We have more show to come. It's an open line show, your general health questions for Dr. Sam Ives. Uh, We have one line open at 651-989-9226. We'll get back to the phones and the text number 81807. Right now, 75 degrees here on CCO, heading for 88. And good morning. Welcome back to our open line show here on Healthy Matters. Dr. Hilden is uh, still on vacation. Dr. Sam Ives is filling in today, uh, answering your general health questions by phone and by text. And as you can see, Doctor, we have a bunch of both. See how many we can help out before uh, you take your leave today. Al is calling from uh, Maple Grove, I believe. Go ahead, Al. Thank you. Hello, Al. Hello. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, actually, it's Pat, so I don't know where Al came from. But, oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, something that's, uh, there's been some data on recently is uh, about the use of aspirin for prevention of stroke and heart attacks. You know, we've typically uh, given people low-dose aspirin so that they don't have stomach bleeding and things like that. But uh, some of the recent data suggests that maybe if people are large enough, they need to take more than low-dose aspirin. And I was wondering if Canopin, if they've, uh, you know, looked at that data and made any changes to what they're doing. So the caller's asking about if you're using uh, aspirin for what's called primary prevention, meaning you haven't had a heart attack per se, but you're trying to prevent this first event from happening. And uh, the question is the optimal dose of aspirin for that 
uh, situation. Now, uh, as the caller mentioned, you know, higher dose aspirin is associated with a higher risk of stomach bleeding, lower dose with the lower risk. The efficacy of that based on your weight is a little tricky. So this is data that we don't always have uh, perfectly to to extrapolate from a lot of patients to an individual. Typically, we're still recommending low-dose aspirin for primary prevention. Uh, in general, uh, the low dose is what we're still using. There may be select reasons why you'd be on a higher dose, but the combination of what other medications you're taking, what other risk there is for stomach bleeding would help us decide on a specific dose. All right. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate the call. Steve in Maple Lake is uh, on the horn for you, doctor. Go ahead, Steve. Hi. Say, uh, on these uh, GNC stores, uh, health food stores, they have uh, a product for the to help uh, rejuvenate the liver. Uh, is that a con, you think, or is, does that stuff work? Uh I think in general, the body is very resilient on its own. So when you have liver disease, even if you have an injury to the liver, let's say from hepatitis, a virus, or from alcohol, in general, the body is going to be very good at rejuvenating itself on its own. So we don't know of any supplement. I'm going to repeat that. We don't know of any supplement that could rejuvenate the liver on its own when damaged. So unless there's something that you specifically are targeting, uh, I would view that as something that's probably not the best use of your money. You know, I, I know Dr. Hilden has fielded these questions from time to time about uh, supplements, you know, vitamins, uh, these things. And I, I know his feeling is is the body. And I wanted to take, get your take on, on uh, you know, multivitamins. He thinks if you eat right, uh, you, you getting it from food is better than pills. Yeah, I don't agree with Hilden on all things, uh, <laughs> but as a stand-in, I can say I actually do agree with him on this one. In general, if you eat a healthy diet, there's not a good reason to have a supplement. Now, if you do have something like you've had a gastric bypass surgery, you have some other stomach problem, there may be a reason to take a vitamin. Otherwise, for the most part, vitamins and supplements, your body's very good at knowing what you're low in. So if you eat something, your body's good at absorbing more of the thing that you're low in. So vitamins and supplements for the most part, are not something that most people need to be taking on a routine basis, except if they have a condition that would make it important. Okay. Should we grab a text or two before uh, you head out? Yeah. So one asked about uh, a patient whose daughter or a caller whose daughter has uh, hypothyroidism and has been on treatment for that, uh, still having some symptoms. With that, it's hard to get the exact dose of levothyroxine or thyroid replacement right. She should definitely talk to her doctor because there are even small adjustments that can be made with thyroid medication to kind of make sure it's in the right balance. Okay. And uh, I have a Baker's cyst behind my knee. Could you please explain what it is and what the treatment might be? So a Baker's cyst is something where you get swelling in the back of the knee. In general, it's not a dangerous condition, but some of the treatment is either to do exercises for the knee to make the swelling less painful. In cases where the cyst is very prominent, sometimes someone does have surgery for that. But it depends on how much it's bothering the person, how much it can be managed just conservatively by doing exercise or physical therapy. And then generally someone would then have a surgery if it's not working. You were talking, doctor, about the cholesterol. We had a text earlier. Uh, this text says, good morning, doctor. Is there a self-administered home test one can do for checking your cholesterol? 
Uh, I don't know of any home test for cholesterol. Uh, you don't necessarily anymore need to be fasting to do a cholesterol. So that's something that even in the clinic, if you're non-fasting, you can ask your doctor and say, do I have to be fasting? It's often something that can still be done without being fasting. At this time, we don't have a home kit that we have people check their cholesterol on their own. How about when you talk about fasting, how about uh, checking uh, one's glucose level? Does that Should that be fasting or can it be either? Uh, glucose can be fasting or not. It's going to tell us a little bit of information on the body. Uh, the best thing is if someone has a condition like diabetes, that one uh, having their glucose levels is very helpful in managing medications. In the absence of that, we have a great test, which is a blood test that kind of helps out along with glucose called an A1C, which is a screening test for diabetes. And you don't have to be fasting for that. You don't. Very good. We are just about out of time, Dr. Ives. It was great to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I, it's, it's good to know that you don't always agree with Dr. Hilden on everything. Well, you can imagine, you know, two individuals like to have it out over a few uh, key topics. But, you know, for the most part, uh, great minds think alike, and Dr. Hilden and I do too. All right, good. <laughs> Very good. Say, and we mentioned it earlier, Dr. Ives, next week, Next week, if you have any kind of sleep disorder, know somebody who's having problems, whether it's sleep apnea, we talked about restless leg, uh, what am I, insomnia, snoring, you name it. We got uh, the whole gamut that will be covered by our super experts. And boy, they're going to be here too. Great to see you again, Dr. Thanks so much for having me on, Danny. And thank you. Uh, again, get those sleep questions ready for next week on Healthy Matters. We're going to be talking entirely about uh, that topic. So join us then. Your money's coming out straight ahead here on CCO. Cloudy skies, a chance of showers today. Right now, the current CCO temperature reading uh, holding at 75 degrees. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.